<laughs> All right. Um, my one piece of news before we get into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you see that they found a longer cut of Ozu's straightforward boy? I did see that. Yeah, I haven't uh, engaged with it just yet, but yeah, pretty sick. That is sick. Pretty sick. Uh, there's find- only what we have right now is a 14 minute version. They say it was like a 40 minute originally, and they found another. Let's see. They found another minute of the footage. So, yeah. oh my god. Yep. Well, great. Bring it on. Anytime, anytime we get uh, more of you, life's I'm, good. I'm fine with it. Uh, I'm also fine with you. I, I thought you were going to talk about another film auteur who might be getting a comeback that I've been personally excited about, and that's Brian Singer, uh, who's now. Oh, de- damn it, really? Yeah, he's decamped to Israel, apparently. What a shocker. <laughs> <laughs> and he's uh, trying to self-fund a documentary uh, to uh, beat his allegations. Yeah. Wow. And uh, he's also going to shoot three low-budget movies for Israel. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> you know what? State O Israel, y'all can have him. He's all yours. He'll <laughs> <laughs> be a... Uh, if he wasn't already, he'll be a fantastic foot soldier for your whole uh, blackmail uh, espionage moves. So he's he's ready made. So yep. Now you can finally you can finally entrap a Palestinian boy whose parents would probably beat him up if he were gay, and now you can get him with compromise doing some gay shit, and you can have him spy on his whole family. <laughs> We love it. Tit for tat. Tit for tat. Hold the tit. The Brian Singer story. (laughs) Oh, that fucking dude. It's also amazing that he thinks anyone gives a shit. Like, no one misses him. Like, it's not like we, like, lost an amazing filmmaker. Jesus Christ. Yeah, he wasn't a good filmmaker. I mean, he was a fine filmmaker at the start, but I don't... Nothing Next special. Two, perfectly serviceable, really long Mazda ad. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. And after that part, like Wolverine gets in and like he's oh, yeah. confused by the car for a second. <laughs> I love when superheroes don't know technology and they're like confronted with it. It's fun. How does this car work? Yeah. I don't get it. <laughs> you know, it's relatable. Yeah. It's like my it's like looking at my dad, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah i i yeah who gives a shit about brian singer but hey we gotta we gotta keep it going we need to bring superhero movies are on the wane and now we oh shit it's not this kind of episode but there's an article i want to share with you that i might later do i think it's that noah berlaski guy but he goes on about the diversity of like marvel movies about like like Black Panther gave us Afrofuturist roots. Kenneth Branagh gave us classic classicism, uh, something something. Uh, I, I, it's so funny. It's like the Winter Soldier gave us a return to seventies area espionage thrillers. So to say there's no diversity, and then it's funny that like the dude from fucking Marvel, like one of the dudes, like just came out and was like, you know what, people like our movies because they're like carnival rides, and that's okay. And it's like, yeah, where did I hear that before? <laughs> was it a filmmaker who said they were like roller coaster rides that didn't actually mm-hmm. insult your movies, but now you're just saying it, and it's like, oh, well, that's a that's different. Yep. Well, one of the what's his name that plays Thor? What's that dude's name? The what? Whatever. Hemsworth. One of the Anthony Hemsworth. Hemsworth. Sure. One of the what? <laughs> no, Chris <laughs> Hemsworth. Said, damn it! All right, you froze on the end of whatever you just said there. Oh, I just said it, it came after Anthony Hopkins did some interview where he was like, "It's not acting." They just like sat me in a chair in a green room and said, "Yell some." Yeah, I wonder why everyone's leaving their profitable roles and uh, 
leaving it open for another group of people. It's really fucked up to think that Adam Driver is about to join that crew, but I don't know. He's done so many passion projects. Maybe he's lost money with all these passion projects. Yeah, and Nat really didn't bring (laughs) bring him a huge check like he'd hoped. I yeah. I hope the new Leosh Carex is better than Annette, even though I liked it. I love Annette so much. I liked it, but the second rewatch was a little revealing about how much I I didn't like parts of it. Okay. And, yeah. and I felt compro- like it felt a little compromised and it felt like there was something grander there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I'm just uh I think the guy needs to make more movies and stay gelled. Because he's apparently moving hard on his next one with like uh Denise Levant coming back in. So Yeah. I mean I'm excited. I was I was the opposite with Annette. I didn't I didn't I was I think I was more excited after the second. Mm. Well, that's why we're such a beautiful neurodivergent beast over here. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> So let's as, see. As, as we've said before, as one of our nicest, biggest fans said, together we are autistic. Yeah. Together <laughs> we are Hannah Gatsby. <laughs> so today we're mm-hmm. going to get into some movies because you all love our review corners. Mm-hmm. And we just want to give you to number three. Welcome to number three. It's back to the corner. You can sit with your little dunce cap in the corner while we tell you what's going on. Yep. So, or are we in the dunce cap in the corner? Probably permanently. Probably. Yeah. So, we're going to talk about three. Two we have not discussed amongst ourselves, and mm-hmm. one we have. So, let's get into it. Let's dip our toes into the hazy, proverbial waters of <laughs> Hong sang Su's latest as of this second. in water this week's Hong Sang Su movie (laughs) yeah there's three (laughs) others in production right now so by the time (laughs) this comes out god knows but uh um all right we talked a little bit about this at the screening last night kind of our different positions of Hong Sang Su I why don't you put it how you put it to me last night Will well I was a when I was coming up in movie world, like he was truly one of the untouchable gods for me um, and could really do no wrong. Um, And I liked that even as his career started to ramp up and he started to make them faster. I like that kind of built into his own world is room for things to not be like masterful necessarily, but in a good way, like as he explores his own, you know, interests and, styles of filmmaking and all that um so even the ones that i don't think were incredible i still always really enjoyed until (laughs) claire's camera which Mm -hmm. still makes me so mad i hate that movie deeply on every level and i've tried so many times i'll try again because it's now been about two years since i've been back and maybe it'll finally click for me but I hate it so deeply, and it makes me like kind of ridiculously mad. But it's because I felt betrayed. And you had said you're like, oh, it's not that bad. But I think part of that was you. I don't think you ever had him on quite as high of a pedestal as I did necessarily, right? I. So I do think that I have always like. All right. So when, like you're saying, when he first started really coming on the scene, I mean, I remember when. Uh, you know, like, um, woman is the future of man was the most talked about thing. That was like the big, like push. Cause it was the first DVD that made it to the States. It had that Scorsese bump to it. So mm-hmm. I've always, I mean, that movie blew me away the first time I saw it. Nothing will ever come to the impact of seeing that with his movies. And then, um, you know, seeing like tale of cinema, and so you know, I was I was cooking with him. I was I'm 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 hot for Hong, but I I also like I guess I could see some writing on the wall at certain point, maybe around the time you're talking about, because I've gone and watched every one of his movies, and I've found some to be better than others. 
yeah. Ar- Arsuni, I thought was one of the better of his like later, and that movie blew my mind. His uh, yeah, yep. his kind of reimagining of um, oh, what's it called? The 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 obscure object of desire. The mm-hmm. I that what's that called? Uh, I think yourself and yours or something. Yeah, something like that. And so you know he can he yeah, yourself and yours. Yeah. Yeah, he does enough to keep me interested here and there, but I think lately um, I've found it hard to want to like catch up. I think it's just kind of like a grinding inertia that with this like constant output that he does. And it's, I get that he's playing this like jazzy game of retracing very similar minuscule, minimal steps and it was always like kind of a revolutionary thing because he found a way to make his movies cheap and to find a way to not have to be relying on too many other backers. But I, I don't know. I, I've been a little, yeah, I've been grinded down. Like it took me forever to watch the novelist film. And then when everyone was sucking the novelist films, dick, I just kind of felt like it's fine, but it's also feel like the people sucking its dick are the people who just started discovering him. Yeah, which is also, I think, a, a, a thing to be praised about him, though. Oh, yeah. Is he is one of those filmmakers that whenever you do come to him, whether it's one of the older ones or whatever has just come out, it's re- it's a really inviting style of filmmaking. And so there's something to be said for that, even when they, you know, for us sickos, even when they don't hit, it's hard necessarily. They do keep bringing people to him, and that's pretty sick. You know, yeah, I've always seen them as great movies to start your day. Like yeah. I there, I love a morning movie. You know, he, he's always been fantastic for waking up, get the coffee going, pop a short, you know, one of his hour, 10 minute movies and then go for a little walk. And you're like, ah, mm-hmm. good. Very nice. It's a so good, like they're, they're truly the, the movie equivalent of like stepping out on the porch with your cup with your cup of coffee and having a little stretch while the yeah. sun hits breath of fresh <laughs> air mm. yep. you know he's good at capturing that open air feeling and i know he's a really big fan of uh the film bodu save from drowning by the you know the unfuckwithable jean renoir which to me has always been one of those movies it feels like having a window open in the summer you can almost feel this sort of like air and he's done very good. He's, he's done a very good job at, at capturing that. But I just, I think it's people who've been there from day one kind of getting a little slowed down. And I also think it's a pushback on a lot of the, like the insane rabid fandom around him. Yeah. Which is just online people. It always ever is, but people just being like, I have logged every Hong Sang Soo movie and I will tell you every little delectable difference. It's like, go ahead, knock yourself out. Please do. Won't be reading it. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm bored. <laughs> I, I'm I'm truly just like, I get it. <laughs> like, yeah. I'll, I, I don't hate it. I just don't have the same enthusiasm to like rush to the next one. Yeah. Well, I think what happened for me and it's now changed, which we'll get to yeah. today. But prior to watching his latest, I think what I realized had happened is just I wasn't, I lost the enthusiasm to talk about his movies with people, even the old ones, you know, like, and and when people getting into movies are like, oh, shit, which Hong Sang Su, you know, where do I start? Like, I'm still always excited to do that. Um, but I realized because it's so, it's been so run into the ground and it's like almost hip to like, you know, I mean, if, if you look on letterbox, like people's favorite thing is to do the Hong Sang Su checklist every time one of his new movies come out yep. and everyone's it's really funny. Um, and I think it, as with often things, fucking nerdy ass fans ruin stuff. And I'm ju- I just got to the point where I'm not excited to talk about his movies with people most of the time. Um, and that's just weird, you know, because that was one of the most delightful things about him was those great conversations. You know, when I was still yeah. going to festivals and stuff, it was so nice. Every the you know, the first day there was a like P&I screening 
of whatever his latest movie was, we were all so stoked to just sit around a table that night at a party or at lunch or whatever and talk through the latest Hong Sang Soo movie. Mm-hmm. And now when I when I see it and people when I see them and people ask me, I'm like, yep, yeah, that's nice. <laughs> you know, I don't yep. Pleasant. It's like sniffing a flower. It's like that's good. Yep. But I'm gonna keep walking. Yeah. Uh I I yeah, it's it's a lot of these like dry ass Twitter people, these like uh these fucking people that like truly think like speaking of Ozu that like you don't really need to watch anything else other than Ozu. I think it's mostly it's mostly like hardcore art house people embracing yeah. them to this insane like Kool-Aid drinking degree. But not even that like he's giving us something bad. That's not it's just that like no. it's the, it's this uh this he's not done anything wrong, his fans have. <laughs> right exactly he's it's no surprise that his film career has built like this because he puts out like two movies a year almost and it just ramps and he had enough he's had enough momentum to push him forward so anytime someone sees something like the woman who ran for the first time they immediately think well this is really good because it is mm-hmm. that was yeah, a really good movie um okay so here we are we have arrived at in water now this is the first time I've seen a Hong Hang Sang Su movie announced that I was like, well, now I want to see this one by the mm-hmm. simple fact that a lot of the movie is shot out of focus. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, stupid, I guess. But at the same time, maybe I'm just a dummy who is taken by that simple little formal like tweak because I was I'm curious. I'm never given up on him. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll keep watching them all. So there's something. And he has painterly aspects to him. So I felt, well, this might really work for him. This might bring him closer to those impressionists he loves so much. If you blur the image like that and he's just trying to capture things in their moment um, and truly doing like a filmic impressionism and not just like using that word falsely. Mm-hmm. And I did think that like there was some, there's a lot of beauty in this movie. It's, it's a very simple story. It's about there's very little conflict, even for a Hong Sang Su movie. It's like simmering things. Like this one guy might be jealous because those two people that he's with were gone too long on a walk, but he doesn't spill over into those usual drunken Hong like you bitch, you yeah, fuck somebody. I mean, you know, if you're going through the checklist that people like to use, there's no drunken asshole filmmaker and that's the big you know that's the big the big one um i gotta i gotta say i'm kind of i might be back really yeah i haven't felt this much from one of his movies since right now wrong then Mm. okay i got the same feeling that I used to get from his movies watching this one. Like I was really like, it started, you know, like you said, you can, you can smell it in a good way. Like you can smell the town that they're in and the water and the clean air. And, Oh, you can feel the water. You can, yeah, you can feel all of it. And I was like, great, cool. I'm going to enjoy this 61 minutes, you know, just on that alone. But quickly, I was actually emotionally engaged completely, Mm -hmm. which has, again, hasn't happened in a long time. And I think part of it, was uh a lot of people think even though he didn't he didn't say this when they asked him at the q a's but you know it's known that he's losing his sight slowly but surely i was gonna say yeah and it seems impossible that that's not a huge part of why this movie is shot a, a bit out of focus for almost the entirety of it and that just really got me and that set the stage for what could have been potentially boring like you know him going through how he maybe makes a movie comes up with ideas all this stuff whatever these three people that may or may not like you said have any conflict um but that being the wraparound for this made me really goopy like i got teary-eyed in so many scenes just thinking about someone whose whole life is visual right like that's whole not just his own movies but he loves movies he's a huge movie head 
And it made it made me think of um that incredible scene in Omodovar's Broken Embraces, uh, when the man has lost his sight, right? But all he cares about is movies. And that incredible scene where he tells her to put on, I think, Elevator to the Gallows, because the soundscape of that one, he can still he can still see it so clearly because mm-hmm. of how it sounds. And I started thinking about that guy, that filmmaker in that movie. Um and yeah, this just felt really it's not a swan. Uh, but it felt like that. Like it felt like someone uh who doesn't have a choice slowing down and taking a breath because they can't fucking see anymore. <laughs> like they you know, the world is starting to look like and to put us in that headspace. And it's perfect too, because it's not extremely out of focus. No, and yeah. I would have to check this because from what I could tell, it's locked every scene, right? Like the, the focus is set on this camera and it's locked. It doesn't change when people get closer, get further away. Cause if they're right next to the camera, it's pretty clear. Cause it's just that super shallow. But I think every single scene in this movie, except one is the exact same level of out of focus no matter how far they are from the camera. I was going to say, I think like, well, you, yeah, I, I, the, the, it does feel very like, even though he's losing his sight, it feels like the, uh, the, how out of focus it is feels very purposefully calibrated because yeah, it allows for just enough and it allows for just enough of colors and images to bleed across, to fade into one another, to just have, a, a, a stack of purple lawn chairs in a backyard pop mm-hmm. amongst that. So I'm with you. I, I felt more emotional about it, but it wasn't the story that did it for me. What I felt emotional about was what you're saying. This, the knowing what's yeah. going on with Hong Sang Su. The but that got me into the story. Yeah. And the line that made me actually finally cry. And it's so simple again, because this is one of the like least fleshed out things he's ever done i think in a in a way that i like uh but when they ask the guy who at this point has just been an actor when she's like wait why are you gonna why do you want to direct something mm-hmm. and his answer is so simple and so pure and i think the most honest punk things he's ever been about himself because he just says i want to find out if i have any creativity yeah i mean that's somehow more revealing than like his relationships with women or alcohol yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think like I think like the the way that the sounds and that that field recorded track uh who I don't know the origin of it it's maybe it's a Korean old Korean track but um it it, it that that kind of low fidelity of it mixing with the with these images of an out of focus water land and sea sort of thing does kind of create this really like nostalgic waterlogged feel of like you can feel that water you can feel like the sun you can feel the breeze coming off of water and i mm-hmm. think that's the 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 beautiful emotional thing about it is like is the way something recorded at that fidelity also has a very similar warm way that an out of focus blue takes place so when you put them together it really feels of uh of cinema it's it's sound and image come together in a way that i i've outside of like like hardcore experimental cinema this is something i haven't really experienced in that regard so and it felt it, it it's like what you said it just truly feels so cinematic and in a way that I have not felt from his movies since again, right now, wrong then where like, mm-hmm. even though I like, I like the others. And honestly, this one actually unlocked, I think introduction and novelist film for me a little bit more. I think mm-hmm. now I want to revisit those with this in mind. And I think I'll find more in them. Um, but yeah, that same thing was right now, wrong then where I'm like, no, this is like, this is a, a filmmaker yep. firing on all cylinders while those cylinders are starting to shut down like that you know like while while age has decided to finally catch up 
and start to wear down his body. You know, this is someone who reminded me why we all got so excited in the first place. And this yeah. movie feels like it earns that, I think. I agree. I agree. So there it is. Yep. Two thumbs up. That, that amazing small voice in the last song towards the end. Um, it was great to hear her back. But that also felt, again, I think it felt him going back to the well, but in a way he hasn't before. I yeah. Well, we're happy to see him do something a little fresher so anyway if you were feeling like us with Hong Sang Soo we have good news I don't know when it's coming out but go go see it or if you're savvy you could probably find it on the internet just don't tell uh, just don't tell Craig Keller <laughs> he's having a meltdown right now about people torrenting really I won't get into it right now but it's like dog Stop. What set it off? Whatever sets anything off with that guy, that beautifully complicated man. Uh, I think it just, just, uh, you know, too many grounds in the coffee this morning, I think. And he just, he just decided to pop and say some just, I get where he's coming with just dumb things. But anyway, Craig, if you're listening, we love you. And you the copy of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Greg, we love you. And I have a beautiful torrent file of everything you've ever done sitting right <laughs> on my computer. So hope you are cool with that. I've sent it no, to it, it, it's a, it's on your um Plex server for all time. Um, and I send it to all my deep pocketed friends. So but actually your Tinder profile is just a link to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My field account is like my partner and I play together. Oh, by the way, do you want to see a free Craig Keller movie? <laughs> so anyway, moving on to our second movie of the day, another big dog, perhaps one of the biggest dogs. Shy. No, uh, Abel. Big old Abel Ferrara. He's back, God. folks. God damn, is he is he back? Yeah. Um, How'd you feel? How'd boy, you feel? We're, talking, we're talking about uh, Padre Pio over here. Yeah, I am uh, not Padre pieced off. I'm, <laughs> but I have reservations because uh, he's. All right, well, let's get into it. So let's start with kind of where old Abel is. Now, Abel, uh, in the last like 15, 20 years or so, got sober and kind of started on the second late phase of his career. He started off stronger than anyone possibly could with two movies, Welcome to New York and Pasolini. Good God. How great are those movies? Oh, yeah. And I don't want to get the timeline wrong, so let's just make sure I'm looking at this correctly. So I'll make sure. If we can keep fucking Hong Sang Su straight, we better be able to keep Ferrara straight. I know, but I know there's going to be one in there that I, like, forgot. Like, I'll, well, yeah. I'll forget Siberia or something. Or one of these docks or something. I will shit. not let you forget Siberia. Don't worry. <laughs> so, oh, I'm going to answer the door. Hold on. Get on in here, you hot slut. <laughs> yes. uh, I'm not a call. Oh. Hi. Hi. <laughs> okay. We're almost done. Okay. That's you, I wish that's how you greeted me at the door. <laughs> Get on in here, you hot slut. Yeah, on stage. I'm like, my name is John. This is my hot slut programming partner. Oh, please. I'd love if you did that. <laughs> you got you gotta earn that. Uh, yeah. you gotta just, earn, 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 now earn. I'm just an old slut. <laughs> yeah, this is my old slut. <laughs> I'll run through slut. Yeah, that's me. That's you. Okay, so right. wait, so, was he did was he not sober for four four four? That that's the last one. I, I think four 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 was the movie. That? <laughs> that's his first sober movie. And that that movie's sick too. Oh yeah, well it shows that's his first sober movie. 
<laughs> I mean, he, well, I mean that in a good way. Like he's truly struggling. <laughs> it's a, it's a, that's an ouchy movie. <laughs> that's an ouchy, ouchy movie. God, it, <laughs> that movie hurts me. I mean, it probably hurts him now because now having to look at a movie about him and the end of his relationship with uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's sister, Shannon Lee. But I mean, at least at least Defoe is there. So his newfound love living next to Willem Defoe probably started on that movie. <laughs> I do love that they live next to each other. And he's like, yeah, me and Willem uh, making movies together. It's so cute. <laughs> yeah, it's really sweet. I love that. Because you just know every morning in their nice little Italian, like, fucking houses, they just lean out the window and smile at each other and don't even say hey. <laughs> He's like, Abel, nice to see you. He's like, good, good to see you, good to see you, good to see you. <laughs> so, um, all right, where are we at here? When did he, I'm trying to find out when he did the documentary that became this. When he did what, sorry? When he did the documentary that became this movie. Became um, Padre? He did, that, he did that searching for Padre Pio doc. Yeah. That was one of his better docs. Uh, yeah. I just, I'm, I'm not finding it right now. But anyway, um, so he kind of, that was sort of the, 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 the like, uh, I guess you could say, research that led him to this movie. And in the midst there, he had some documentaries of, uh, well, personally for me, varying quality because I, I don't care about him and his, Joe D'Elia sitting around being like, you know, rock and roll used to be really, really fucking have some balls. Oh, I, I'm, I'm here for it still. I, I know you are. You're a sick fuck. And <laughs> well, it's, tw- it's 2015. Then. Oh, it's 2015. Okay. That's what I thought. Because it's right after those. And he goes on kind of a, he kind of drops out of filmmaking for about four years. Or a Pasolini, and then that, and then Alive in France and Piazza. Yeah. Right. So he made a lot of docs for a while. And uh, then 2019, he comes back very strong with Tommaso. Oh. I, I thought Tommaso was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Made me cry. It was just seeing Willem literally just play. Abel and cuck Abel with Abel's own wife (laughs) was just pretty special. Just checks the box for me, you know? (laughs) Same. Yeah. And it brings you back to like, damn, he just loves cucking himself with with whoever he's dating in these movies. Going all the way back to Nine Lives with Wet Pussy, where he complained that his actor couldn't get it up during the porno scene. So he had to fill in. And he's like, it's not. It's pretty bad when you're on a set and uh, you have to like you're upset because your your guy can't bone your girlfriend in front of you. <laughs> That's also why he played the fucking dude in Driller Killer because he was like, "What's the quote? It's something like nobody has the 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 energy uh, that that everyone knows they could fuck at any moment." So I had to do it. <laughs> yeah, shooting in an apartment with the two women he's living with probably just crazy bacchanals of drugs and sex and booze well they were still when when uh what's his name tony uh tony what's his cinematographer's name tony red redman something like that um he when he came he came to a screening once and we were gonna do welcome to new york because he has the director's cut still that does exist it's not a myth it does exist uh but it's it's out there yeah but um he was talking about bad lieutenant because that's the first time he met all of them and he was like it would just change every morning we would have to just uh burst into everyone's hotel rooms to try to drag everyone to life and he's like and there's some days ferrara would be so aged out he couldn't move so uh me and a couple other people would direct and then there are days uh that the actors like also were just flat out on their face and so they'd shoot something different until until harvey Keitel could like stand up <laughs> i love that God, i love the old stories of fucked up abel like uh, the, someone told me uh oh maybe i won't name him on here but a good friend of ours in the film community told me about when abel i think before either of us were living here uh came to facets and he was doing a 
they're showing like a couple of his movies and he was late to the screening and uh they were like why where is he we need him we need him on stage what the fuck and uh prior to that he'd been you know blowing coke in the bathroom the whole time but right before the q a he left and they were like where'd he go and he comes back with like a 30 rack and he's like i had to get a 30 rack for me and the guys <laughs> he didn't even send anyone out he went by himself to go get a 30 rack of miller so he could get through <laughs> the interview with his buds just imagine like in that neighborhood too like motherfuckers over in like lincoln park basically just like traipsing around to find a 30 wreck <laughs> yeah it's just one weird looking dude coming through like you got cause <laughs> damn but anyway so so yes yeah, so we talked about Tommaso. he came back recently uh there seemed to be one after the other since Tommaso. there's the there's this very odd Siberia, which I like, I like it, but I it's just I can't make heads or tails of it. And there are so many things in that movie that just we're going to talk about because they get a little under my skin with him. Uh, <laughs> he's a little feral at this point, And Siberia is an incredibly feral film. <laughs> and it's just a lot of this dumb nostalgia of like... Uh, the Wanderer and fucking Willem Dafoe. It's just like, oh, dog. Like, dogs. Dogs are right. Yeah, dog, dude, no one cares about you remembering the 50s and the early 60s. Oh, I love, I love it. I'm... Oh, I know you. <laughs> I'm sure you do. So, In the same way that me and Rebecca were talking last night about being the two loudest defenders of uh, Schrader's canyons. Uh, I will. I will do. This, I will do the same for Ferrara's Siberia. Rebecca, check your check your credentials. I'm much louder on you than that one. <laughs> well, that's why we get along because we know that that movie slaps. I love the canyons. No one will ever convince me otherwise. That is a great movie that just fell victim to starring James Dean, porn star James Dean, and Lindsay Lohan, and it being a Paul Schrader movie. Unfortunately, it's amazing. So and I guess people don't want to watch anymore because you know the non the surprising news to no one that James Dean is a real life monster. <gasps> so I get not wanting to watch it if you don't. <gasps> want to, that guy's a monster. No shocker. I would never thought that. <laughs> yeah, his eyes are so kind. When he's choking women out and spitting in their eyes, I've thought that he seems like a fine guy. Yeah, seems like a real sweetheart. Seems like how he knows to make someone come. God damn it. John's yeah. boyfriend, James Dean. Yeah, he's, yeah, whatever. He's great. I mean, they they really flay who, you don't have to like the guy. In fact, you could go into the canyons hating that motherfucker and you'll Probably be like, work better. Yeah. I work better. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, so after Siberia, we get to zeros and ones, which, boy, I sure loved zeros and ones. I thought that was. And ones. I think it's maybe the silliest of this string. Siberia, I would understand if you think that's sillier. So I, I get it. But I think Zeros and Ones is a little bit sillier, but I love it. Yeah, well, it's him kind of doing <laughs> an action movie again. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. But it's also this weird lockdown movie. And well, then the way it ends. But... Oh, God, the way it ends. This is exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not saying that he's lost his edge. I think he's lost parts of his edge. And I think he's just happy and he has a daughter now and he's sober. That's totally. I mean, it changes people. Thankfully, he's still at least interesting because some artists, unfortunately, it sucks, but are just not good without their substance. I hate to think he's giving into late neolib boomerism shit, but let's unpack. Quite. He has his moments. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's quite. I don't think he's like fully subscribed. I think he has more glasses of it than I would like him to, but okay. Well, we'll get to something about Padre Pio, but uh <laughs> so but zeros and ones, yeah, it's fine, except again, endings like that are not it's they're just hilarious. they're like fine, whatever. <laughs> but then it's more like the dot it's it's his dialogue. It's somewhere along the line, he lost subtlety and some of these speeches, like some of those fucking speeches Ethan Hawke gives is like the most groany, like 
yeah, we agree with what you're saying, but dude, that is the most flowery scripted thing I have ever heard. Yeah. He's yeah. like, the you only way the future is you have to set yourself on fire. And it's like, is this a from autumn to ashes album? <laughs> like, what, is, what the fuck yeah. is this? I think Sib- Siberian zeros and ones have the the most uh, groan inducing screenplays. <laughs> well, let's talk about the movie we're talking about today. Talk about Padre Pio. Let's talk about Padre Pio starring super hunk Shia LaBeouf. Yep. And well, we'll get to it. We'll uh, save my favorite casting troll that he's ever done (laughs) oh i know what you're talking about because that (laughs) that got me kind of back in i was like oh i was like i don't need another cup of coffee (laughs) oh i hate to almost spoil it but we'll we'll get to it it's fine it won't take anything away but no just we'll we'll say before we say what it is to skip if you want to and be surprised because it's awesome so pandre pio is movie about italy Right after World War One, when uh, technically they had won the war, but they are coming back to a government that doesn't recognize that and um, basically just is trying to keep communists out of power. A tale as old as time. And it also dovetails with uh, another plot that doesn't seem like they connect, but they do, similar to Pasolini. And mm-hmm. that is involving Shia LaBeouf's character as the priest Padre Pio in his monastery, basically having Ferrara style freakouts, uh, imagining the devil is a slutty, bosomy woman, and then fighting with him. <laughs> you settle down over there, uh, <laughs> fighting with uh, like himself and. The first thing you hear of him is him like talking to himself, being like, "No, don't, don't, talk, don't think about your affairs with all those women." It's amazing. It's fucking amazing, and it feels like it feels like the when he asked Shia to do this, he was like, "Okay, you gotta start wearing this this outfit now." He was like, "I need you to learn some Latin, otherwise, you know how you're really sad that everything in your life is terrible." Because of some yeah. things we did, just do that on screen for a while. I feel like that's the only direction he got, <laughs> and yeah. he does it. It's amazing. I like it. I, I will. Yeah, it, it hurts. It's really. It's truly like pretty viscerally painful. There are some viscerally painful moments of Shia. I hope thinking about his strong right arm, but uh, <laughs> I also hope that it's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't hope. I, I would imagine it's. Here's what I imagine happened. I imagine we see that and are putting it in the movie, and he was definitely thinking it. But I think this was really something of a masturbatory actor method acting exercise for him to get lost and be like, "I'm going to be this Italian priest, and I'm going to." Because something about it, something about all the research feels kind of left off screen, which I love. Yeah. Which is fine, but it definitely feels like there was probably more work put into it than actually his role on screen, because some yeah. of the improvised, some of his improvising of dialogue within it is a little oh. clunky for a movie, for like a movie involving you know like a, a pre. I, I don't know. I there were moments just 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 shy of sainthood priest, and a lot of the fascist dialogue about the peasants is just. All right. No subtlety, I guess, is needed. I I suppose we could have figured out we know what these people are doing, but now we have to have this general scream it all verbatim. Oh, socialiste. Yes. Fine, fine, fine. Uh, These are my nitpicks with it, is that he used to do so much, or maybe he just knew how to film these not so subtle dialogues i mean there's nothing subtle about dangerous game with a guy screaming i need these things no i was gonna say subtlety was never the never the 
game. So I'm revising. I'm not. Maybe that's not the issue. It's just how he goes about doing it, and I think he's it like sophistication is the issue because he seems to lo- have lost his sophisticated ability to tell a story. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Indeed. like a truly like another level of ability to tell stories through movies that seems to have changed. <laughs> He's on a different path right now, but that's okay because there's still enough to enjoy and to like praise. So, yeah. and I, just to say, I got to It's because I like Siberia. And I think that's where the fork in the road happens right now is for our heads. Yeah. Is I w- I was here for every single bit of this. I think all the dialogues fucking awesome. Like amongst the like smeared digital effects. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I no, I was I was I was just oscillating between being like fucking delighted to be back in the sick world of Ferrara and also uh, like shockingly affected every once in a while by how much this movie hurt. Yeah, there were moments. I do think this is a movie that I'll probably like more on a second watch. Um, but just off the bat, I do think that he's, he, yeah, his filmmaking has become a little more rough around the edges, maybe a little less polished, which sometimes works because there are scenes in this movie that rank among some of those beautiful shots he's ever composed. But then I find people like, someone i was talking to this morning and their feelings on it they thought it was one of his ugliest and they were like well it's exactly what you're saying he shoots these like beautiful things and then he just has to go shaky cam now i have my own issues with shaky cam as being an off overused lazy thing but what i feel like he's doing is less of like doing this late period, lazy, drab, ugly thing. And these beautiful shots, this is an ugly story. It's a really, really ugly story. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt of that. He's just trying to mock the beauty a little. Yeah. And I think it's, I think the shaky cam is used sparingly too. You know, like it's not, it's not like the whole movie looks like that. Cause it doesn't, you know, like when he but, does do the very shaky, it's very much for a purpose. I think he does it well. Yeah, he's also definitely seems to be trying to reach to maybe some of his spiritual cinematic masters. Uh, two came to mind, Rossellini and imagining the Rossellini Marx film that we never got that probably would have been insanely good. Um, so you have that. But more importantly, and especially in one scene that I did groan at this scene. Sorry if you think it's brilliant, but the fucking blind Willie Johnson track coming on with the guy pulling the plow. Oh brother. There's a reason Pasolini did pull it off to such astonishing effect with Odetta in the gospel, according to St. Matthew here. Mm, didn't work for me. Felt a little forced. Oh, little. I think <laughs> the only reason I like it is because it's so fucking stupid and bullheaded and you know, even Willem, when he saw the first cut, was like, "Buddy, let me, let me just trust me on this one. Just pull it, just, just switch the song." Able, I think they'll get it. <laughs> yeah, it's no, it's so, but it's so stupid and so handholdy uh, that it came back around for me that I like it. So here's an interesting exercise: What if, before we get into our last one, briefly, what if? those same effects were done by someone who wasn't able Ferrara. How would we feel about this? Does context for his work matter? And that's why we give it a pass. Yes. hundred percent. Because we can't, I don't think we can view this objectively. No, no, no. It's impossible. It's impossible. Well, I also think that no one is watching anything 444 on by Abel Ferrara that isn't a fan already. Right. Like, he, unlike Hong Sang Su, who keeps finding new fans, Ferrara is not finding any new fans past his glory days, right? Anything like, he's losing them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think it, it's kind of, you know, it can't, yeah, we can't, I don't think we can divorce it from him. But I mean, yeah, if, there, if this was like a first-time filmmaker and I saw that moment in a movie, I would immediately, you know, I would very much react violently and be sad that I watched it. So we are basically saying because of his CV, he has kind of earned 
the ability to just be a little messy at the end a of lot it. messy in that yeah that might be the worst thing he's ever done <laughs> totally and i and i'm okay with it because yeah oh I th- yeah again I, I laughed like i think it's funny he didn't mean for it to be um, no he didn't but yeah it's one of the rare times where abel accidentally uh did something so fucking soup it's like the first time the the lady shows up in siberia when yeah. he thinks it's like this emotional wallop that this woman comes into Defoe's weird little cabin, but it's not funny because it's stupid. <laughs> Just a hot, <laughs> naked, pregnant woman. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, he he's definitely stuff that I feel like he would have made fun of in the press. It's weird to see him engage with. Mm-hmm. Uh, the end of the movie, not a spoiler. Um, it's in the credits. The dedication to Ukraine. Yeah, it's the victims of uh, Palazzo di Accursio, which is, if you don't know, the whole thing centers around, basically. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, the massacre that happened there that we get a little bit of in the movie. But it's dedicated to them and uh, people of Ukraine. Mm. Yep. It's, inter- it's interesting to see. Because it's also a weird, it's such a weird, uh, a, a weird un Ferrara like oversimplification to say what's happening in Ukraine is the same as what happened at Palazzo di Curcio. Because it's not, it is at really all, not at the all. Same thing at all. Well, I mean, unless, and it is, and it's part of why I think I'm so fascinated with this last burst is the weird things he's become so simplistic about is that where he's. Just, people suffering under the thumb of someone else the same that's it that's as far as he goes like he's no longer i feel like he somehow maybe when he got sober the part of his brain that just melted away was the part where he was interested to actually dig into politics potentially however a very unsubtle thing that he does with welcome to new york is so brave and beautiful and affecting and horrific and nightmarish to to literally say we are at a point in this world where we have got to well it's a slippery slope but especially with people of power we have to quit doing this like well i don't know it's alleged because to him that's bullshit he's like dominique strauss khan this fucking douchebag raped this woman there is no we're playing the media game to just say Oh, that maybe it happened. Maybe it didn't. Maybe she's lying because she's a African refugee, like crazy shit like that. And he at least has the gumption to say, yeah, I'm not going to fuck around and and do what they want me to do. Yeah, I'm just going to do it. And then if you have a problem, I'm going to tell everyone to burn the IFC center down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> yeah, that's the yeah, that's the that's the guy I would like to see a cut of the that filmmaker but he's not around anymore you know he's just, he's just not and that's i'm okay with it i'm at peace with it but i would love to see this movie made by him immediately actually before welcome to new york came out so all that like ire and rage however got dampened the reception or lack of reception i want yeah. to see him this before welcome to new york is released yeah Maybe we'll get it. Um, it makes me a little nervous that his next movie he's talking about is another, not that's problem with Shia. I'll watch him do movies with Shia, but that's about Auschwitz. Oh, and I see. <laughs> if you think he's going to bring his subtlety back for that movie, I think we're we're uh, on the wrong stuff. So I... I uh, called uh, Shia the Four Sisters. That's the name. <laughs> and Shia's writing it. Yeah, oh, I know. Part of me wonders if he was led a little bit by Shia during Padre Pio. Well, he probably was because, I mean, like Shia is a great actor, but he's he's a really unhinged human being. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think the one, okay, so I think the telling of you agree, and this is the part to skip for people if you don't want one of the greatest treats of this movie to be spoiled. My theory is that that day on set, Abel came up to Shia, who was probably already, you know, he's probably like climbing a tree or something, praying. <laughs> like in, climbing the outside of a hotel. Yeah. Fun. 
Yeah. So Abel, I think my guess is what happened because like Shia is, I think is always a good actor, but his performance in that scene is horrifying and so, so like horrifically real that it hurt my entire soul. And so I think what Ferrar did was he was like, okay, just go in this room. I'm going to start shooting. Someone else is going to come in. Just go with it. Just stay in character and go with it. And and they're going to play a man. Well, he probably just said a man's going to come in. Yeah. And so what that that man that we're talking about is played by uh, none other than Ozzy Argento. And in one of the great, the kind of thing we do love to see from Ferrara, just like casting Gerard Depardieu in, well, it's about what it is, is very, you know, there's a lot to unpack there. In the same way, Ozzy Argento in this is playing a father who has burgeoning pedophilia happening to not just burgeoning pedophilia, burgeoning incestual pedophilia. Yes, yes, for his own daughter. And he comes to tell Shia Mm -hmm. about that to confess of sorts. And Shia loses his fucking mind. And I can't help but think again why Ferrar is smart when he is. For I was like, oh, I think I remember hearing something about Shia's dad probably did some shit to him. So I'm going to make Ozzy Argento play Shia's dad and just see what happens. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> also... And his the look in his eyes is going to haunt me forever. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, you know, you, one can make... And I'm not going to engage in it because I'm not going to make, sup- you know, supposed guesses, but... Many do like to make guesses about uh, Aja and her father's relationship, mm-hmm. at least for a period of time. I, who knows what could have happened? I don't know. I'm not gonna yes. not gonna toil in that. But one person who the one person who probably actually knew those details ever in the history of Earth got Epstein. So, yep. Unless unless our boy comes back from cooking in heaven, well, he's in hell by choice. But uh, unless he comes back from cooking, cooking in hell for everybody, we're probably never going to know the truth because that's definitely the one person Ozzy ever told everything to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah um, too bad. Uh, and also, you know, I mean, Ozzy had her own issues involving a an underage person. So not underage in Italy. Not that I'm, you know, here to defend it, but I will say that's true. That is say. true. No is- laws were broken in Italy gross shit happened for the whole world is what i will say she did a nasty gross thing yeah so it's very pointed that she is this role in the movie and of course she said yes that's why we love hardened europeans so much because yeah. they're all like sam again with gerard Depardieu, who was like absolutely i will play kind of myself in this movie. <laughs> right and they're probably just she's probably just his neighbor yeah because oh, really small. Well, on an old Bourdain episode, before, you know, before everything, like he, uh, he, he has, he's, he's with Abel Ferrara in Rome, yep. and they're talking about how uh, his. He says, "My girlfriend lives next to you." Oh shit! Maybe that's the third one on the other side. <laughs> it's like Abel and then Willem and Asia. Yeah. yeah, maybe they were like sitting on their little, sitting on their little balcony talking about this movie and just leaned through the window. They're like, yo, Ozzy, you interested in playing a pedophile daddy in this one? Yeah. You want to piss people off who are already sharpened their knives for uh, <laughs> Shia playing a priest. <laughs> yeah. The pull. Yeah. But to, again, to do it in that way where we get, I think even the rawest I've ever seen Shia LaBeouf is that, and to do it by bringing in such a, a, a trolley moment is pretty, is pretty nuts. But it's one of the most, I think, beautiful and harrowing scenes in the whole movie. I agree. I mean, I, that, that did it for me. No, I, and I liked the movie. I'm not saying I didn't like it. It's just. Uh, oh, I mean, I agree with all your critiques. I just I just have fun. I, listen, we're, we, we clearly state. Oh, I know we clearly stated we're fanboys for the guy and we will give him passes because of who he is, what he's done and where he's going. That's you you make those trade-offs with filmmakers sometimes, but I'm also not going to be enough of a fanboy to not say that there aren't some <laughs> rough parts about it. 
Yeah. So well, it's, it's like we said, if if when you watch Siberia, you giggled, uh, you know, and had a beautiful experience, you'll probably do the same with some terrible moments in this movie. If those moments in Siberia were tough to get through, there'll be some tough to get through moments in this movie. Unfortunately, there's no talking fish at the end of this one. So <laughs> this is just that crazy fucking dog. Yeah. They, oh yeah. God. Like, yeah, after that scene's so sick. <laughs> yeah, that is big. And again, this because for a while when it started, I was like, man, I wish I had money and could be uh and could be like shooting Abel Farrar an email and saying like, let me pay. So this is shot on super 16. And that's how I was feeling until he started actually smearing <laughs> some of these horrible low grade digital images. And then I was reminded why he made that choice. Well, Abel, we have not given up on you. We still love you. We'll be here. We'll be here till you want to call it quits. So I guess two thumbs up. <laughs> All right. Um, let's beat it along here. So, unfortunately, oh, damn. Well, look at the time. <laughs> uh, I got to hit the road. I, I I guess we can briefly mention the, the third one we've been meaning to talk about. Yeah, there's a there's a movie. We were going to have a guest for this, but that guest uh, is really successful in life right now, unlike us, and gets a lot of paid gigs to do what they love. So Aaron Hunt, we'll have him on for something else. So it'll be fun. Yeah. Um, but Aaron Hunt, who wrote, as far as I've seen, the only actual well-researched and well-written uh, piece about uh, some problems we have with a certain movie. Um, he won't be joining us, but we're going to get into it and we're going to read shit that he wrote. So it's like he's here. <laughs> it's like he's here. And the movie we're talking about is how to blow up a pipeline. Yeah. The latest film from neon. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, without saying anything about the plot, did you like the movie? Will? Hmm. simple yes or no. Nope. Okay. I didn't either. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I didn't either. And I have some real issues with it. But unfortunately, I think we've run out of time. Well, and I think we need to be smart here. And we are going to have to dedicate a full, like, two-hour block. Because there's a lot to talk about. Because we also got to talk about movies that do do things like this interesting. We really got to dig into this. Because we cannot uh, leave any pipelines unturned here. Um to make sure that we really get across how much worse the world is after this movie came out. Hmm. Well, <laughs> I guess, uh, I guess being as that we're on a tight schedule today, if you are foaming at the mouth to, uh, hear our very, very detailed thoughts on this movie, yep. where can they go? Well, well, to get the full thing, we are going to give, everybody a slice of this once it's done but to protect the future of us trying to also be able to make a living off of movies you can only hear the full unhinged everything where we name names of people who maybe we know and maybe sometimes we work with um we we're gonna really get in the weeds and take people to task that we're not supposed to so if you go to the patreon you can hear all those names of all those people and all the places they work and why we think uh, it's evil that they all helped this behemoth come to life. <laughs> or if you're not going to check it out, just kidding. That was all a joke. That was all a joke. We got jokes. As you guys we got know. jokes. We, we just like working and we like working with big organizations and doing things with them. Mm -hmm. Then we respect them and just about everything they do. Just about. So, so you can play this. You can play this game. This is a two sides of the same coin. You can stop that journey here, <laughs> and if <laughs> and if you're someone with uh, access to uh, money, and we've already spoken, stop here. <laughs> but if you're curious and want to uh, help contribute 
to making our little project even more uh, expansive and hard hitting than yep. just give us five bucks a month. It's not much. That's one. Everyone says this, but it's literally a cup of coffee that is going to two people who really could use it. And we also have a lot of things planned that we would like to use a little of that money to do. Yeah. And also truly, I, I really do promise if y'all make us successful at this, we will absolutely not worry about what we say and we'll really get we will really get muckraky in a positive way about the truth of this uh at our house scene that we are so grateful to <laughs> yeah we're not trying to bite the hand that feeds we're just nibbling its cuticles a little no we just we just make sure everyone can see the body it's attached to That's exactly all. but we have respect for people that we need to work with so mm-hmm. Uh, it's complicated, but again, if we are able to sustain ourselves, then we we, we are going to be able to be a little more choosy. But that being said, we're very excited for our upcoming prospects <laughs> that we can't discuss right now. But we are very we we love this place and these organizations, and we'll we'll do whatever you need to you need us to do, like with this next episode under lock and key. So. <laughs> You want the key to that that very uh, easy to open lock just five bucks and it's yours and you can you can know everything you can know why i was hobbling on stage last night yeah and you can hear i think a funny detail that john took out of the public episode that went there's a reason i took that off and you know why i took that off out of respect oh i know i know but it's funny, and you can hear it on the Patreon. Well, it's funny, and it's true. That's why yes, I wanted to hear it on the Patreon. I didn't want to put it in the regular episode. Oh, that's good. It was the correct choice. But I just wanted John shared a, a truly, in all uh, everything, everything is genuine. He he shared a very personal detail of something he's going through. So I shared one too. <laughs> yeah, and they're not like, well, you know, if you want to find out what they are, take a listen. So. On that on that note, uh, all our secret all our secrets are hidden inside that Patreon, and yeah, like Will said, you make us successful, those secrets will spill out. So, on that note, I guess the last thing there uh, are we're never mind. Bye. Okay, all right, good, good, Will. Um, <laughs> And now we start our review of the Pipeline movie right 